Zara, I am so excited to talk about today's sponsor. It's the new film, Challenges. It's from the director of Call Me By Your Name, Luca Guadagnino, and stars and is produced by none other than our girl Zendaya. Yeah, you know I love her. You love her too. I love her so much. Zendaya plays Tashi Duncan, a former tennis prodigy turned coach who is married to a Grand Slam champion, currently on a losing streak. And if that's not bad enough, Tashi's strategy to help her husband break his curse sort of takes a surprising and awkward turn. Hmm, awkward indeed. Because now he must face off against his former best friend and Tashi's ex-boyfriend, Patrick. Zara, the tensions are running high. I know. Tashi's someone who makes no apologies for her game on and off the court. It's her game, her rules, but with her past and present colliding, Tashi must face reality and ask herself, what will it cost to win? Challenges is the sexy drama that everyone's talking about and it's definitely not one you want to miss. It's about passion, friendship and what happens when your past comes back to challenge you. You can grab a ticket from Tuesday the 26th. So grab your friends and get excited. I will be grabbing you and we are definitely going to be going to watch it. Oh, please. Thank you so much to Challenges for making this episode of Shameless Possible. Welcome to Shameless, the pop culture podcast for smart people who love dumb stuff. You're joined, as always, by Melbourne writers, Michelle Andrews, that would be me, and Zara McDonald, that would be you. Hello, and as always, we are joined by producer Annabelle Lee, who's back. I'm back. You're Yay. back in a big way. Coming up on today's show, this is our last ep for a few weeks, and all we want to do is lean into the gossip. So what's the deal with the rumours that Victoria Beckham and her fresh daughter-in-law, Nicola Pelts Beckham don't get along. Plus, we obviously need to talk about Rob Irwin's glow up, the married at first sight lawsuit and open the shameless mailbag. How are you meant to feel when you find out your male partner spent an evening at the strip club with his mates? But first, Sarah McDonald, how was your week? Hello, I had a pretty good week though. I'm not sure my voice might last this episode, which is an interesting metaphor for our last episode for a while (laughs) that we are crawling to the finish line. So bear with me today. I think me, like the rest of Australia, has been mildly under the weather this Mm. week. But I will not talk about my week because I have three recommendations and I know that is a little on the bigger side of how many (laughs) I'm allowed to give. Do you and I need to have a chat about this? Because when we decided the format for Shameless four and a half years ago, we decided one rec per episode. I've been like fulfilling my end of the bargain. I've been coming with one. You're starting to show me up and come with like three or four. I'm too generous. (laughs) It's not my fault. I just have so much content. No, if I consume something that's worth recommending, I want to do it on the spot. Yes. And if I have more than one, I just need to do them all at the same time because I'm like, I'm most passionate now and I'll forget to recommend this at a later time. That is so fair. What's your like top tier recommendation out of the three? No, I'm going to go from bottom to top. Oh, okay. So you're in third place. The bronze medal recommendation but, goes but to. I have to say, these are all really good and really worth your time. This is the shit one, guys. So <laughs> even though 
it's bronze. Do you remember during the Olympics and everyone kept saying bronze, nothing to sniff at? I'm like, yeah, nothing to sniff at. Bronze, nothing to sniff at here. In third place, it is Adele's episode. It's just recently dropped on Desert Island Discs. Now, I've spoken a lot about Desert Island Discs on this show before. It is like my go-to comfort podcast. And Adele's finally done an episode with them. It's really good. It's I would really love you to listen, Mish, because I listened to this episode and I thought – for someone in this job, wow, I think Adele would be kind of hard to interview. Interesting. Very closed off? Or? Yes. I mean, that's why we love her, right? She's that's in- why she's in bronze place. Yeah. <laughs> she's, she's incredible and seems so lovely, but she really doesn't want to go too far. Yeah. She'll say certain things and then she'll stop at a point. Now, I do appreciate that the podcast episodes of Desert Island Discs are edited for pace. So I do think that there's some editing going down to Titan. But I did listen to this thinking she'd be tough. That said, there's some really interesting stuff in here about how devastated she was cancelling her Las Vegas residency. I didn't realise how big of a deal it was for her. And also about her weight loss, which she's been very reticent to touch on. But her talking about how disappointed she was in certain people and their reactions to it. I saw that those quotes about her weight loss made like headlines in a lot of my favourite media publications. So yeah. it sounds like she shed some really interesting stuff on that. She was pretty candid. That's in bronze. In second place, but to be honest, it should be equal gold. You will love this. <gasps> I'm ready. It's a newsletter column by Farrah Store, and it's called Why Women Cheat. I already oh. love it. Tell me everything. So what she did was she crowdsourced from her readership stories of why women had affairs and she wrote them up in three stories. I would consider it like a very mini Three Women. Now, for those who don't know what Three Women is, it's a classic book by Lisa Tadio where she wrote up the stories of three women and their relationships with cheating, sex, all of those kinds of things. It's a great book. This is is like a really mini bite-sized Three Women (gasps) in a newsletter form and the stories are juicy. I am so on board with that. (laughs) I couldn't recommend it more. I was sitting on my couch the other night reading it being like, this is amazing. Like this is, you know, when you just read something and you're like, this is good, solid content. (laughs) Like I'm just proud to be reading it right now. That I loved it. And how do I find that? I'll put a link in our show notes to subscribe, but I think you could, I can also put a link to the actual article. We can put it on our stories if we're feeling generous. I am. Well, I definitely want it even for selfish reasons. So that's great. What's in gold place? In gold place. So I have recommended this on the show before, but the newest season is out and I don't think I recommended it well enough last time because you forgot I recommended it. Well, my sister Claire, I know what you're about to recommend because we had a chat about this last night. Claire messaged me and said it is her best recommendation of life. Like this is the one thing she recommends that I watch more than any other TV show, movie, anything. It's called The Split, Zara. Yes, and you said that to me and I said, I've recommended that to you and on the show before. Annabelle, do you remember? Uh, I, I don't do not remember recall, that. No. <laughs> okay, that's fine. I clearly Sorry. didn't sell it well enough. This is actually one of my favourite television shows of all time because it sounds a bit rogue. It's about a family of family lawyers. Okay. But it's the relationships between them. There's affairs, there's cheating. Also, given the nature of the law that the family does. There's lots of cheating with their clients, all of that kind of stuff. The juice is there. Season three has just dropped on ABC iview. The first episode hit me like a freight train. Ooh. I've never this this I can't I don't want to spoil anything, but you know how there are some like iconic 
episodes of television shows that shake you to your core. Mm-hmm. For me, this was one of them. <gasps> okay, I'm definitely watching this. The way that Claire and now you have sold this show is like, it makes it sound epic. I think it's one of the most underrated TV shows of our time. So everyone has to oh, watch. I'm so sorry for throwing so much at you. How are you? How was your week? What have you got for me? I I mean, I had one of those weeks, I'm sure you guys can relate to this, where maybe you party a little too hard on the weekend and then you wake up the next morning and you remember some of the things you said and like feel like you had real foot and mouth syndrome and now I've just been replaying the events of the night over and over in my head I don't want to say the exact quotes that I said to people because like they might be listening to this but do you ever have those nights where you're like what was I thinking with some of the things I was saying to people I've never had that oh I always do I'm I'm joking of course I have had like flashbacks to this night every day since and I don't know I'm just like I have demons about it but I don't have to be out or even having a drink sometimes I just leave somewhere and I don't know if I'm overthinking but I'm like why did I say that yeah yeah, yeah. like from work sometimes yeah, I say yeah. shit and yeah. I'm like oh no you just leave and you're just like I shouldn't be with my own thoughts too long to think about this stuff anyway to distract me from my demons from Saturday night I have been absolutely fucking loving the summer I turned pretty <gasps> that Annabelle. show is everywhere oh, so good it's incredible it's so good I've seen your eyes that you are clearly loving it as well you are yet to watch it Zara no it's been on my list but I've got season three of the sports <laughs> priorities well, this is a completely different vibe if you guys have not seen the summer I turned pretty all over your social feeds it is like a young adult teen drama it's on Amazon Prime it's a, like a TV series I got the vibe that it was a movie it's not it's a TV series so did Lizzo Lizzo posted about it on her TikTok and she was like I thought this was a movie yeah <laughs> I don't know why I thought that but it is following the life of a 15 turning 16 year old perfect girl called I think it's Isabel but we call her Belly yeah and she has like a couple of love interests she has her first kiss on the show but the two main love interests are brothers <gasps> we've got Jeremiah and we've got Conrad and I am obsessed I don't care that it's made for teenagers I don't care that it's meant for like young adults Mitch and I binged five episodes in a row last night how long did they go for 45 minutes each (laughs) we binged five episodes Zara and then at the end Mitch and I were like are you team Jeremiah or are you team Conrad or are you team Cam I was team Cam Cameron Cam Cameron (laughs) I was a fan of him for a couple of episodes but I think I might be being swayed towards Team Conrad. Oh, no, I'm Team Jeremiah. He is sunshine in a man. (laughs) It's so interesting because when we were were in an Uber the other day, Mish, and we were like, let's watch the trailer to this because it's everywhere. Like, this is our job. We really should be across what the fuck everyone's talking about. We watched it and we were like, is there like three people of the same character because they all look the same. The boys look very, yeah, very similar. You watched this while you were recovering from food poisoning, Annabelle. Yes, and usually when I watch things when I'm sick, I associate it with the sickness and I have not so fond <laughs> memories of the show. So I'm fair. still thinking back at this show being like, it's the best. How many episodes are there? I've got a few to go. Mm, I'm going to guess eight. But it's by the same woman who created To All The Boys I've Loved Before. Yeah. Uh, that's also a classic film. It's yeah. fucking good. I need – I actually – I need you to pause on the split no, and watch this because I need to talk to you about things. I just told you I was shaken to my core last night after the, the first episode <laughs> of the season. I have to keep going. I was 
crying. Like I was shaking and Ollie was on a work call and he came out and just saw me shaking on the couch and I had to keep pointing to the TV. <laughs> like, it's the TV. It's not anything else. I promise. Well, I'll have you know that the summer I turned pretty has a beach scene where a big twist happens that I did not see coming. So there's also sex. Oh. It was surprising to me, but there was a sex scene. Yeah, it's a little bit raunchy for a team drama. But oh, there you go. I'm, I'm into it. Yeah. yeah, you should be. I'll watch it over my break. I honestly cannot wait. But before we get to our break, before we get to any of that, we have an episode <laughs> to do. We have to jump into the first segment of the show because, Miss, we care so much about the rumours that Nicola Peltz Beckham and Victoria Beckham are feuding and have never really got along. And we thought, let's have a conversation about these rumours and unpack them and analyse how it all even got to here. Yeah. It's a weird one, guys. Essentially, there have been some headlines floating around. There has been some whispers on our favourite kind of gossip Instagram accounts, gossip websites that Nicola Peltz Beckham, so Brooklyn Beckham's new wife and the daughter of like a billionaire, is feuding with Victoria Beckham to the point where they're not getting along at all. And a lot of this is re-kicked off this week. A lot of the rumours have kicked off because Nicola starred on the August cover of Tatler and did an interview where some of the quotes maybe are being dissected a little more than the average quote would be. Absolutely. I do think before we read out these quotes, I think that's bang on. I think people are reading into them, but I think with good reason. I think what's really interesting when I read this feature, and I wonder if you felt the same, Mish, is there was so much focus on her and her family in Brooklyn and not a mention really of the Beckhams. And I think that's interesting in some of these contexts. So let me give you... Some examples. Firstly, uh, there was a conversation that Nicola was having with the journo about whether she'd move to the UK, where Brooklyn and his family are from. She said, I would say no, but you never know. Just because I love knowing I am so close to my family. Yeah, immediately after that, the Tatler journalist who wrote this piece, Ellie Austin, pointed out that Nicola's family wealth, and I quote, dwarfs that of Brooklyn's parents, David and Victoria. And interestingly as well, after this piece came out where Nicola said, I'm we're probably never going to move to the UK. Anonymous sources spoke to the media saying Victoria is really sad that Brooklyn won't be close to the family base. So it's interesting, like some interesting stuff is going on here. After that quote, we then had Nicola say, Brooklyn felt a lot of pressure to please people with his career and he didn't love it. Yeah, so other people felt that was pointed as being like, is that pointed at his parents? Like who is that even targeted at? And then there was this line from the journo. When Brooklyn wants business advice, she adds, he turns to his new father-in-law. And this is Nicola's quote. Brooklyn is getting into very exciting things with his shows and also business things, and it's really sweet. I watch him call my dad and say, what do you think about this? I love watching him learn from my dad. Mm. Now, I have no doubt the journal has absolutely lent into this drama by deliberately putting all these quotes in, the ones that specifically reference Brooklyn's relationship with Nicola's family and Nicola's relationship with her family, right? Yeah, well... This has been simmering away. Like we kind of ignored it for a bit because we couldn't really make sense of it. There were a lot of anonymous sources for so long. Now that this piece has come out and there is really no mention of Victoria or David Beckham in it at all, it does seem that there's like one of those situations where there's smoke, there's fire. Yeah, because I think these people are not silly. Like Nicola Peltz Beckham would absolutely know that people are talking about this. Mm. And if you wanted to squash these rumours, you would say when you're asked about the UK – I would say no, but truthfully, Brooklyn's really close with his family. I love his family too. We want to find ways to be closer to them. 
Or just that quote, I love watching him learn from my dad as if he's never had any business advice from anyone else given Victoria Beckham runs a really successful fashion line too. Like it's and just David int- Beckham is like, oh, a, I mean. A perfume he- connoisseur. <laughs> well, I was going to say, we might not see him as a fully legit businessman to the same level or the same level of business acumen as his wife, Victoria, but they're both very financially savvy. They've both built pretty impressive brands for themselves. It's an interesting quote. Yeah, absolutely. A quick aside before we get back to like the depth of these rumours as well. I did find it really interesting in this piece that Nicola said that, you know how the Williams sisters were at their wedding at Brooklyn Mm. and Nicola's wedding? I feel like Serena and Venus Williams are at like every A-list wedding. Yeah. So Nicola said it was her mum that invited Venus and Serena to attend the wedding, despite them not being close family friends at all. She said, it is so random. She ran into Venus and Serena at a charity event and told me, I've invited them if they want to come. She said, it's so incredible. Those women are the most beautiful, successful icons ever. (laughs) Why do celebrities do that? Why do they invite other celebrities they don't know to their wedding? Well, weren't you telling me that Meghan and Harry, Meghan, Markle and Harry did that? They did so much with their wedding. I've just learnt from the Palace Papers. Apparently, like, George and Amal Clooney are not friends with Meghan and Harry, even though they're at the wedding. Apparently, George and Amal sat down at the reception and someone turned to them and said, how do you know Meghan and Harry? And they said, we don't. <laughs> Should I do this with my wedding in November? Who would we want to invite? Like, Missy Higgins? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Why do people do that? It's so weird. Isn't it strange as well to be like, just come along because I clearly want stars. Like, I want a star-studded guest list. Who cares that we've never actually had a conversation? Just come to my wedding. Yeah, anyway. come for the branding. It's strange. But back to Nicola and Victoria. Victoria for a second because as we said people have now been picking out these quotes to say is there actually something going on because there was a lot of stories around their wedding as well. Yeah well reportedly this tension between daughter-in-law and mother-in-law kind of all stems back to the decision that Nicola and Brooklyn made to combine their surnames. So we said on this podcast we did a whole segment on it like how modern of them to combine their surnames. Apparently, potentially, Victoria and David Beckham weren't a fan of Brooklyn taking on his wife's surname. And we think this might be the case, Sarah, because of their Instagram captions around the wedding. Yeah, well, David and Victoria very famously just flatly refused to refer to them as Mr. and Mrs. Peltz Beckham. They just kept going on and calling them Mr. and Mrs. Beckham, which I do think is pointed. I think if you're actively ignoring a decision that they have made together... It's pretty rude and you are trying to make a point. You are absolutely doing that intentionally. Like this was everywhere. Immediately after the wedding, their son changed his Instagram handle to at Brooklyn Peltz Beckham. I don't know how his mum and dad could just like, it's not like an oopsie for them to go, oh, we just forgot about it. They posted multiple things. They also gave quotes to Vogue where they also said, congratulations, Mr. and Mrs. Beckham. So I'm actually quite a big fan of Victoria and David Beckham, so it does pain me to say this, but that's quite fucked. If your child's changing their name, but you're so attached, like they're not even changing it where they're getting rid of your surname, but you're so attached to them staying Mr. Beckham and Mr. Beckham alone that you intentionally misname them in your congratulations for their wedding day. I, don't know, I find it a bit funny at this point in the year. I'm like, <laughs> it's, it is, it's so rude. But also it seems like there's so, there actually is a little bit bubbling below the surface. I mean, Demois very famously after the wedding as well posted this anonymous tip-off that Nicola ran out of her own wedding crying because Mark Anthony of all people was giving a speech and singing a song at the wedding and dedicated this mother-son dance to Brooklyn and Victoria. Nicola apparently ran out crying. Brooklyn had 
to see out the dance and then spend the rest of the evening outside with her consoling her. There are also reports as well that Nicola doesn't get along with Romeo's girlfriend too, Mia Regan. And then I think what's really interesting to me is five weeks ago after all these stories surfaced and just before she did the Tatler cover, she posted a carousel on Instagram of a heap of wedding photos set with the caption, family is everything to me and didn't include a single photo of the Beckhams. Yeah. So, oh, that's spicy. Do you think there's something here? Yeah, the- that's baby spicy. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that is good. I do genuinely think, I know, as we we kind of joked at the top, like, let's lean into the gossip. And this is definitely leaning into the gossip. Oh, we're not saving babies here, guys. <laughs> no, but I do think with a story like this, it's often really interesting for me to look at, to be like, there are a multitude of ways that Nicola Peltz Beckham and Victoria Beckham's PR teams could be squashing this and they're flatly refusing to do that. Well, it was also Victoria and David's, I think, 23rd wedding anniversary yesterday and there was not a peep out of Nicola Peltz. Oh, okay, that's on a stretch. No, I saw every other child and every other partner post really? about the anniversary except for Brooklyn and Nicola. I know people be rolling their eyes while you're driving to work or whatever. I reckon there is absolutely, absolutely. something here, which is fine. Some families have a bit of tension for a little while and then they fix it. All we know, and I would bet money on this, there's legit drama going on in this family. Yeah, celebrities just like us. (laughs) Coming up after the break, Robert Irwin's glow up, a married at first sight lawsuit, and we open the shameless mailbag. But first, a word from today's sponsor. And now it is time for the quick and dirty. As always, we bring you the top five stories from the rooflet and tumblr of the celebrity and <laughs> pop culture news cycle. Michelle, <laughs> Jeremiah Andrews. Oh, I said I was Team Conrad. I forgot. <laughs> I actually thought that was a pretty good effort, all things considered. Zara doesn't listen, McDonald. <laughs> what have you got for me? My first story. Robert Irwin starred in his first ever fashion shoot and is he a long lost Hemsworth brother? That is from Pedestrian TV. Guys, I think Robert Irwin, son of Steve and Terry Irwin, might be an it boy. I do love that you just used that disclaimer, son of. I think we all know. Well, maybe we don't all know. No, no, I appreciate the context as always. It's our job. But he's pretty famous, isn't he? I follow him on TikTok (laughs) and he got like a million followers within a few days of being on the app. uh, Have you seen his TikTok videos that they come up for you? He is just like his dad. Like, uh, it is so lovely. I was scrolling through with my mum the other day and she kept being like, one more, one more. Uh, she love her animal videos, Vicky Andrews. But no, he is an it boy, a wholesome it boy, and I'm here for it. So he's only 18. I feel like Robert Irwin's been in the public eye for so long he should be older than I am, yeah. but he's not. Now, in this cover shoot with Stella, got to say the styling was on point. Loved he the clothes good. they threw him in. He also gave some really interesting and heartwarming quotes. He said... My dad wasn't exactly a fashion icon, but he was iconic just in the fact he made khaki cool. (laughs) I feel an incredible sense of pride when I put my khaki uniform on in the morning and it feels normal, more normal than anything else I wear because it's every day and I feel this connection to dad. I feel this connection to my family and this sense of purpose. That's what fashion can do. It's empowering. I love that. He also gave some really fucking cute quotes about his mum. He said, she had to be the mum and the dad. She's the coolest person I know the most caring person I know and the most intelligent businesswoman on the planet. Whenever times are really tough and I wish dad was here, I just think about how proud he would be of mum. 
It's really sweet. Some other details of Robert that I was learning through this piece, Mish. He doesn't drink alcohol because, and I quote, life is dangerous enough with animals, which is probably fair. Also, he wouldn't have regret for like a full week after Yeah. <laughs> He's also working on a coffee table book of photography, which is cool, a la Brooklyn Beckham. Hello, I remember when he did that. And he said he plans on settling down with someone who loves feeding crocodiles. We love that for him. I do have to say, and I wonder where you guys sit with this, I'm all in support of Robert Irwin being the it boy. I'm all in support of us, you know, throwing our love and adoration at him. But I do think a lot of people need to unpack some hypocrisy around how harsh people have been about Bindi. That's Mm. fair. I do think think you're onto something there. I think the way that the internet has wholly sort of embraced Robert Irwin and his wholesomeness and the earnestness of his quotes, we have never afforded that to Bindi Irwin. Yeah, I think that's a really fair point. My second story, Cody Simpson confirms he's dating fellow swimmer Emma McKeon as they hold hands in Barcelona. A brief rendezvous in Spain with my love. That is from the Daily Mail. So Cody Simpson has hard launched his relationship with Olympic golden girl Emma McKeon on Instagram. Now the two are in Barcelona for a training camp, Mitch. Yes, he posted a gallery of photos on Monday of him holding Emma's hand as they walked the streets together. And that, which I read out in the headline, was his caption, a brief rendezvous in Spain with my love. That's going from zero to a hundred, dare I say. In what way? Well, like... A hard launch of your partner is just like a laughing photo of you two at like a bar or something. To call her your love and to like, I don't know, it's quite full on. Yeah, that's true. It's not like just posting them out for dinner or something, which is where a lot of people start. Cody's only 25. I'm shocked by that. Why do you keep thinking people should be older? I don't know. (laughs) Is this the only thing I have to bring to this episode this week? This will be the rest of your life where you feel like everyone else feels like they should be older. We're just getting old now. Yeah. Yeah, it's my birthday in a couple of weeks. Oh, gosh, did I I just say that? (laughs) Did I just drop that? I'm 28 in like two weeks and I cannot believe it. Anyway, Cody's only 25. That is absurd. Now, the pair have reportedly been dating since the beginning of this year. Obsessed with this quote from the Daily Mail in their article about the relationship, they said the pair are in Barcelona while Cody Simpson trains for the Commonwealth Games. (laughs) With that respect to Cody Simpson, Emma McKeon is our most famous swimmer. (laughs) She's also there training for the Commonwealth Games. Did you fact check that? Yes. Oh, I did. I'm not an idiot. I fact checked it. Daily Mail. Now, a fun fact, the last games, as we know, were in the Gold Coast. And for those games, Cody was actually asked to perform I Still Call Australia Home for the Queen at Buckingham Palace. So it's a good way to show just how much can change in the span of four years. Yeah, what a character arc or narrative arc. He really has expanded the limits of what's possible. <laughs> he has. He was singing for the Queen. Now he's going to be swimming for the Queen. <laughs> oh my! That was good. How like long have you been prepping that <laughs> one? No, no, you don't understand, Michelle. When it just comes out. <laughs> my third story: Lindsay Lohan is now a married woman. That is from the cut. Seven months after announcing her engagement to her financier partner Beda Shamus, Lindsay is married. We don't know when she got married. We just know she is married. She wrote on Instagram, I am the luckiest woman in the world. You found me and knew that I wanted happiness and grace all at the same time. I am stunned that you are my husband, my life and my everything. Every woman should feel like this every day. What a lovely caption. Now, as you said, we have no idea when this happened, but the post was actually to mark Lindsay's 36th birthday. I will present that age without comment. (laughs) And just 
happened to mention that she was married. Now, apparently Lindsay did give quotes after their engagement party to say she's a pretty low-key kind of person and didn't want a big wedding. So clearly kind of stuck to that. Which I really appreciate. Like, I love that a celebrity as big as Lindsay Lohan can get married and nobody knows. Like, it doesn't leak to the media. She's the one who dictates when that's shared. I would love to know how they pull that off. Well, it must be a super, super intimate ceremony. Yeah, and you must just have a bunch of people around you that you really trust. Which I love for Lindsay because we know she's had a really rough run of things. And I think researching this story really quickly kind of filled my cup this week. I don't really think very much about Lindsay Lohan anymore. And when she comes to my mind, I do think about some of those scandals she's had across her career. But things are really looking up for her right now. She is obviously now in a long-term relationship with her partner. They've been together for three years. She's about to start in her first Netflix rom-com. It's called Falling for Christmas later this year. (gasps) That sounds incredible. (laughs) I know, right? And she's also got a podcast called The Lowdown and she's interviewing some really interesting and incredible people for that. She seems to be doing really, really well. And I fucking love that for Lindsay Lohan. Me too. And I think when you said to me yesterday when we were prepping, like I haven't thought of her in a while. It's like, I think that's the point, right? When you're not thinking about them, it's a good thing yeah. because it's like, they're not constantly in the news for the stories we got used to seeing them in the news for. So go Lindsay and congrats. Go Lindsay. Do people want a scandal series? I do. Lindsay, because yes. I, what I love about this is where the, like we can unpack the scandal and the shit times And then we can get to like a happier, better place. And I love the fact that she's in this happy place now. So if you want that, let us know on your Safe Friday. Yeah, because we'll do it. (laughs) My fourth story. Former Married at First Sight groom Bryce in a legal battle with radio station. That is from the Herald Sun. So I found this one very interesting, Mish. So Married at First Sight's Bryce, who was quite a controversial figure in the 2021 season of the show, I think... Our listeners might remember fans were pretty outraged about what they saw as toxic behaviour to his now fiance Melissa. He's actually still with Melissa. Mm. They have plans to get married. They have twin boys together. Our listeners also might remember that incredibly iconic scene of that show where he was forced to rank or forced oh. to rank the hotness of the women on the show and he ranked his wife fourth because his hands were tied he said I simply I simply must tell the bluntest truth possible so that's how we know Bryce now Bryce is actually chasing the Australian radio network for 200 grand after he says that he was offered a job and it was reneged within the space of days earlier this year which is strange when I first read this headline I thought well it must be a job they offered him before married at first sight and then they've seen him on married at first sight seen how his reputation has taken a tumble a big tumble and then they've reneged but they offered this to him after he became a villain on maths yeah exactly so according to the Herald Sun in early April 2022 so only a couple of months ago He was sort of sounded out by a Launceston radio station by the name of Chili FM, which is part of ARN, about an on-air role. It was about hosting a breakfast radio show. Now, he was flown to Launceston reportedly. He was interviewed for the position there and sort of was sounded out as a co-host. And then in early May, he was offered the position via email with an on-air start date of later that month. Four days later or five days later, the offer was reneged as they were getting the contract ready. Now... Why? I I don't know much about this space, but I would figure if a contract's not been signed, 
Can you renege that? I think you can. I don't. I mean, I'm not a lawyer. Me either. Here, how am I just trying to guess? Regardless, he is suing because he said his partner, Melissa, gave notice to her workplace that they were, you know, moving the entire family over and he's asking for 200 grand. Yeah. So this is what his lawyer wrote up. They said, our client has suffered loss amounting to an estimated sum of $333,300. Then they break that down into kind of like what his annual salary would have been, the salary his partner was now going to go without, unpaid leave from her employer, like a whole bunch of stuff that somehow got them to that figure of $333,000. I'm very curious to see what comes of this. Yeah, 100% because I would love to know. Do people actually have, I mean, clearly there's some sort of case here because a lawyer's taken it on, but I would love to know how strong this case is. I would love to know why Chili FM wanted to get Bryce Ruthven on the air. Yes, <laughs> and would offer and then renege in the space of five days. Bizarre, odd story. Was there any chance they hadn't watched the show? No, there's absolutely zero chance of what that. What can make them change their mind that quickly? Maybe what came out? taking it above. So a Launceston radio station making the hire as the contracts go up and up and up and up. How clever, clever gal. People say, nope. <laughs> <laughs> My fifth story. Channel 10's new breakfast show records 44 Sydney viewers in dismal debut. <laughs> that is from news.com.au. Guys, <laughs> this is thought to be the worst ever ratings debut for a show in Australian television history. So 10 News First, which is their new like – breakfast program on Channel 10, goes up at 8am every morning, recorded 44 viewers in Sydney on its second ever day on air and then recorded 224 viewers in Perth. There's no way that's possible. How is how <laughs> is that possible? That a, like how many people in Australia? We just did the census. Isn't there like 24 million or something of us? Yeah, I don't believe this to be true. It's simply <laughs> so low that I flatly refuse to accept this is true. I saw a really funny tweet or like reply to a tweet where someone said... I was one of those 44. Oh. It's like, how special would you feel? Well, like, I I agree with you, Zara. I feel like something's off with this number. And maybe I'm just saying that in case any of the producer team or whatever on that show listening to this right now can get a mental health boost because that would be so fucking flattening. You work for months on a show. You launch. The worst ratings <laughs> ever in Australian worst TV Worst ratings history. ever. So the show is hosted by Lachlan Kennedy in Sydney, from Monday to Wednesday, and then Natasha Exelby in Melbourne, Thursday to Friday. It, in total, got 17,000 viewers per episode across its first five days. To compare, sorry, to the 10 News First breakfast team, Sunrise and Today get about 200,000 people <laughs> tuning in per episode. 44 people. I think what's like really interesting to me is a Channel 10 spokesperson did tell news.com.au Network 10 is happy with the launch of 10 News First Breakfast. <laughs> How? Stop lying to us. I, I appreciate the spin though. Like I remember reading a while ago that, sorry, this is such a tangent, but it's pop culture related. I remember reading a while ago that after Kim Kardashian was robbed in Paris, that the hotel was contacted by news outlets and all the media were like, well, have you had all your bookings cancelled? And they said they've never been busier and that they've had no cancellations. And it's like, we know you're lying. Like, we know that to be true. If anyone is listening to this as well and wondering, how the hell do we calculate how many people watch a certain TV show? So glad you asked. I actually Googled it. 
it's not very accurate at all. So the company that does it in Australia is called Oztam TV and they measure the entire country's TV watching habits based on 5,250 homes. So they have like 5,000 homes across the country that are hooked up to some kind of meter that asks them like, who are you and what are you watching right now? And those 5,000 people dictate ratings for the entire country. That just feels like a very flawed system to me. Yeah, I, I'm back on my own bullshit and I do think this is all fake. If that's honestly <laughs> how they measure it, then this simply cannot be true. Yeah, and it's like, what about the poor people in the country? Like, do they just not watch TV? We don't give a fuck what they watch. This doesn't make any sense. 44 people in Sydney. I'm giving them the benefit of the doubt. Yeah, you know what, as well, we'll do a Your Say Friday. Did you tune into this? Yes. Because I reckon if we have one, if we had one person say they did, it's got to be higher than 44 across also, the whole country. do you think this is going to boost them? <laughs> Their views? Yes, actually. <laughs> let's all turn it on. Let's do <laughs> it. Tomorrow. Let's actually watch it and see if the fucking ratings budge at all. Maybe some of our listeners are part of that 5,000 home metric or whatever. Oh, yeah, so true. Okay, that's the plan. I don't know what day we're going to do it, but we're going to do it. <laughs> Is that all you've got for me? That's all I've got. Hmm. You've got mail. Yes. It's a very powerful words. Alrighty, team, it is mailbag time. Annabelle Lee. Yeah. Annabelle Lloyd. We ready. We ready. This one reads, Hi, ladies. So, a bit of a weird and potentially controversial one for you guys. On Sunday, the day after my partner had a big night out with the boys, he told me they'd ended up at a strip club. While he insists he kept things pretty PG and mostly sat at the bar, he did tell me that some of his mates went into private rooms with the dancers. I have no idea if this has been communicated back to their girlfriends, who I am very close with, but I'll take a wild stab in the dark and guess that it hasn't been. Now, generally, I perceive myself as a very progressive person, but when it comes to this, I feel uncomfortable. I feel that it's weird how my partner and his friends see attending a strip club as something fun to do on a night out. But if it was just a random girl at a party they were entering a room with, we'd label it cheating. Am I being stupid? The last thing I want to do is disrespect the women who choose to become strippers or exotic dancers, because of course I see that as valid work. I am obsessed with the fact that most strippers are making absolute bank, but does it have to be my partner and his circle of friends who are lining their wallets? I feel uncomfortable with the thought of another woman, any woman, whether it's her job or not, engaging with my committed partner in a physical way like that. I would love to hear your thoughts on this. Feel free to be brutal with me. Oh, feel free to be brutal with me. I love that line. Yeah. I don't think I will be though. No, I don't think I'll be brutal with you either. Should we start off, Zara? Where do you stand personally on this one? Say you were in this listener's position. Yes. Sorry, Ollie, throwing you under the bus. He gets home after a night out and he says, we've been at the strip club and my mates went to private rooms with girls. What would you say or think? Yeah, I would say I'm not about it. And as I said, if the facts were the same in his case as they are in this letter in that the group of men that he went with were in committed relationships. They all sort of went together as part of like what this bonding way to what disrespect partners at home who I would hazard a guess wouldn't be happy about it. Mm. I, w- I would find it off and I would tell him as such. Mm. What about you? I think I'm the same. I think I would feel frustrated and annoyed and at a loss as to why there wasn't a text message sent 
before the fact. Like it's not so much going to the strip club. I, I truthfully don't care as much about that. I care about two things predominantly here. I care about not communicating it on the night. Like you have a phone, you can shoot your partner a message to check if they're comfortable with something. And I care deeply about the private room thing. Absolutely. That's that's the thing for me where I'm like, I do not like that. That is, there's something in my gut where I'm like, I feel very uncomfortable. If that was my partner, I would feel deeply disrespected and I would feel in a very difficult position if I know that my friends partners have done that behind their back the private room if like if you have nothing to hide why are you going to a private room yeah I agree with that I think there's so many layers here to unpack because the first point for me as you just touched on is like I would expect a text message and I think that that would be huge for me if if my partner got home and said I did this and it's already been done. I'm like, the essence of my relationship is transparency. And I would Mm. like to think that it's like, if you're a team and you kind of, you know, everything is a decision between the two of you, you're constantly thinking about the other, you're constantly thinking about how your decisions impact them. It would be on my mind if the roles are reversed to think straight away, well, how will this impact them? And how will they feel about this? And I will be transparent from the get-go to say, hey, this is happening what do we think about it? Mm. What do we do? We, like we are the entity here, not me. Yeah. The other part of my brain is absolutely agreeing with this listener. I think the line that she wrote that stood out to me was, I'm obsessed with the fact that most strippers are making absolute bank, but does it have to be my partner and his circle of friends who are lining their wallets? I think that is such a great way to summarize it because truthfully, some of my favorite content creators on the internet work in the sex industry or are strippers. Like, I followed a great Aussie TikToker this week. Her handle is at Mickey, M-I-K-I, from the club. And she is one of my new favourite people to follow. I want success for people like that. I want them to fucking kill it. Like, in fact, some of her videos are data analysis, like breaking down across the financial year what nights she made the most money, what wigs she wears to get paid the most money, what outfit she should put on to make the most money. And I fucking love that for her. And I soaked up every second of that video because I found it fascinating. However, if those dollars are involving my partner who is in a committed relationship with me, I feel very conflicted about that. It has nothing to do with the stripper, has nothing to do with strip clubs full stop. It has everything to do with my partner doing something shady behind my back or intentionally withholding information from me until a point where I can't do anything about it. Yeah, well, exactly. And I think this is obviously, and it should go without saying, but I will say anyway, like a real predicament for monogamous relationships. Like there are some relationships that would thrive off this, right? I'm in a monogamous relationship. And for me, I totally agree with you. It's like, it's that idea of like, I'm in a relationship with you and the kind of contract that we're in or the arrangement (laughs) that we're in is that you're not meant to go off and have any sexual contact with other people. Like that's just not part of the arrangement, no matter what that looks like. So I think it's totally fair. I mean, for this listener to be a bit confused about how if her partner and his friends are all in monogamous relationships why they suddenly feel like that doesn't matter as a group of men going out together, why their partners at home just simply do not matter in the context of their evenings. Yeah, and it is the physical contact thing for me here because I don't care about my partner being on OnlyFans, I don't care about them watching porn, whatever. It's physically having sexual contact with another woman without my consent. That is a massive red flag and a problem for me. I think as well, like... It's the pack mentality issue here that well, men yeah. seem to do this on nights out. I don't have a reference point. Like I'm thinking about the the queer people in my life or the people who are in same-sex relationships. 
I don't think there's a reference point for their partner going on a night out and ending up at a strip club or ending up in a situation like this that is a good parallel. It seems to be like a heterosexual men thing. Yeah, I totally agree with that. And I think it's the pack mentality of men who go out who sort of manage to channel that sort of locker room energy. And you you do hear it like anecdotally big groups of heterosexual men getting together and making decisions like this again with having zero sort of accountability for each other it's like these men that get together and it's like how is there no man in that scenario that thought hey you who's going into a private room like I know your partner I know your relationship do you really want to be doing that like is she going to be happy with that at home it's like if my partner was in a friendship group where they didn't actually hold each other to account like that and say, that's that's not cool, I'd have a real problem with it. Mm. Because I don't know how old this listener is, so I can only put myself in her shoes and say, she's 28 in two weeks. (laughs) And um, (laughs) (laughs) And at this point in my relationship, I've been with Ollie for about three years and his closest male friends are some of my really close friends. Mm. And I would hope the dynamics are that they would have my back too. That yes, you were friends with him first and yes, you've been friends with him your whole life, but I've come into this arrangement and you really respect me enough to have my back as well. And clearly that's just been lost here. The pack mentality thing is so interesting. I did not mean to bring Love Island into this conversation, but I will anyway. And this will be a slight spoiler. If you're not up to date with Love Island, maybe skip forward a minute, but I'm going to give everyone the context who wants it. So essentially there's a challenge that happens every season in Love Island where it's called Casa Amor. The boys and the girls who've been living together for a month and are in like relationships and are on the cusp of basically saying, I love you to each other. I split up. The girls get sent to a new house they have all new boys come in the boys stay in the existing house have all new girls come in and it is so interesting to watch the pack mentality that happens in each house almost every season some of the women stray but mostly it's like a conversation about how can we be loyal to our partners we're thinking about the guys back home the men almost in every season particularly this season which has fucking ripped my heart out Mm. are pretty awful like they get in a pack mentality and these guys that you've loved over the first 30 episodes become kind of fucked and the pack mentality is that one will stray from their partner and then it becomes a culture within the group where it becomes well we're just this is a test we're all doing this we're testing ourselves and if you're not testing yourself you're the one who's boring and you're making us feel bad well they tie it to masculinity yeah I think hugely to be like if you're a man you will join the pack and do what the rest of us are doing. And what's been so interesting is in the most recent episode, there is one guy who has stayed loyal to his partner. And instead of that guy being held up as like, oh, you're doing such a good thing, everyone turned on him. Everyone looked at him and went, you just want to win. You just want to win. You're so fake. You're just faking it. You're just trying to make me feel bad for what I'm doing. And it's such an interesting social experiment to watch that all these guys are behaving in ways they know that their partner at the other house would not be comfortable with. But instead of looking at each other and going, can we do better? They look at the one guy whose actions are just by design making them feel bad. Yeah. And it's like, well, we're all in this together. So let's all fuck up together. Let's all be, let's all be rowdy boys. Menaces together. And do the boys trip, what happens on boys trip stays on boys trip thing together. Yes, I totally agree. And then the other element of this letter that I can't stop thinking about as well is for this listener, what do you do about knowing that your friend's partners did this on the assumption that, you know, your friends wouldn't be happy with this and they have a similar arrangement in their relationship that you do? Because I would say... Is this fucked? I think they should know. Yeah, I... Not that I want to be messy about it, but I think I try to have a conversation with the men to be like, 
you have to talk to them about this. Like they at least have to be held to account. How would that practically do no. like, well, Yeah, I'm, I agree with you. In my heart, I'm like, I would want to be an agent of chaos and let the girls know because I think they deserve to know. Do I back myself that I would find a kind of forum where I could bring this up with the men first and confront them about it? I don't know if in like real life, if that would happen. Yeah. I'm trying to think in my own life. I'm quite good friends with some of Ollie's friends, girlfriends. What would I do? Maybe I would text the guy Mm. and say like, I'm in a tough position here because I'm really good friends with the girlfriends. I don't want to be keeping your secrets. Like that's not my job here. I know this has happened. So tell her. Yeah. Because it's like it does feel like a betrayal of a friend when you know that's happened and you know they wouldn't be happy about it. And it almost feels like you're excusing what they've done. Yeah. And the hope would be that that friend would come back with, oh, I'll talk to my partner instead of what a dog your partner is for mm. telling you how did he dog the boys that way and go to his girlfriend, which unfortunately if that happens, I really honestly, think a lot of people would do that. Put these friends in the bin. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think they're worth being friends mm. about. Annabelle, how do you feel about this? I feel equally as uncomfortable as you guys would. I would also, you feel uncomfortable about them going to a strip club or the private room thing in particular? It's particularly the private room thing. And yeah. it's also like I doubt these boys are going to a private room and going to a strip club to like empower, you know, these, <laughs> these strippers yeah. <laughs> financially. I don't know. Like I don't think that's the case. And I also think that if the roles were reversed and, for example, if I was in a relationship and then I went to a strip club and went into a private room with a man, in a monogamous relationship the man would feel uncomfortable. So it's like reflect on that. Yeah. Yeah. Switch it and like see how you would feel. It's just yeah. so rarely the story we hear yeah. isn't it, when the roles are reversed. I'm not saying it doesn't happen. I really do want to put on the record. But God, it's often this gender dynamic, isn't it? Yeah. Mm. And I think this all boils down to go enjoy strip clubs. Absolutely. That is your right if you communicate that and have the consent of your monogamous partner back at home. Like, I'm so fine with single men, like Go financially out. supporting these clubs. Please fucking do it. I am all in support of men financially supporting these clubs if they're in open relationships. I am supportive all round as long as you fucking speak to your partner back at home and don't leave this to the next morning and spring it on her when she can't actually have any power in the situation at all. Because just to add one point before we go, I think what the problem with, you know, telling her the next morning is I do think it creates this level of distrust where every time they go out and she's not hearing about things, you can create stories in your head to be Mm. like, well, I only found out about this the next day. So are there things happening right now that I don't know? If you're transparent with a partner all through the night or whenever something is happening, that distrust just does not exist. It's a way of maintaining a strong relationship. I'm really interested in this listener and what she does. If she wants to get back in touch with us to tell us what she does, I'll be listening. Well, funny you said that because the last mailbag we did, I don't know if you guys remember, it was all about whether or not someone should intervene with their best friend about hating the best friend's boyfriend. She did get back in touch. Thank fuck we got to her in time and she's not going to intervene. She's just going to keep loving her best friend. So if this week's mailbag listener wants to get in touch with us, we would be so happy to hear from you. Yeah, guys, that is all we've got time for today and for next week and the week after and the week after. (laughs) I shouldn't be so happy about it. No, guys, we are taking three weeks off the Thursday episodes. Of course, we will have Scandal running for you on Mondays. Of course. We couldn't leave you with nothing. We couldn't leave you with nothing. So we'll still have Scandal. We will still have Book Club. It'll just be Thursday episodes that we're taking a break from. Our next episode back 
will be August 4. That is Thursday, August 4. That's for our Thursday episodes, but keep listening for Scandals. Yes, please do. Are you excited for Bali? I'm really excited for Bali. I think I need to stop talking. My voice is going to go. Yeah. You sound like Vicky Buffet when she's sick. <laughs> I feel like we say that every time. Yes. Are you excited for WA? I am so excited for WA. I've got a couple of little trips planned. Not Bali for two weeks, which I love for you. I've got a couple of little ones planned and I cannot wait. And Annabelle, you're not going on holiday yet, but you have booked here for September. I'm going to Greece, baby. <laughs> I'm excited for you. We'll hype you up when we get back for that one. Guys, big Larrikin energy. <laughs> that was Larrikin energy. Guys, thank you so much as always. Thank you for this first half of the year. We will be back in your ears properly August 4. Scandal, as I said, still running. And uh, in the meantime, we're out. Sorry, needs to go take some vitamins. <laughs> See ya. Bye. <laughs> Shameless Media. This podcast was recorded on Wurundjeri land. Always was, always will be Aboriginal land.